Alright, we're live. Soccerchronicle.com presents the podcast that has more grit and class than the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Let's, got to do this. Let's get it on. You should have been held up to a boat. <laughs> no, uh, nobody nobody uh, provided any intro uh, recommendations. So, right, right. going by the uh, topics at hand. Liga right. MX. All right, Liga MX as well. Basically, well, we got four uh, four four matches left. Uh, no one's eliminated. Um, there's what, right now what five teams that are tied that have 17 points, and uh, basically those five teams are Monterrey. Uh, Chiapas, Guadalajara, Morelia, and Atlas. So I mean, it's it's basically the mid, the mid table right now is going to be hard fought. Uh, honestly, I, right now there's four teams that probably have the best momentum going, you know, winding down, which would be which is uh, Pumas, America, Tigres, and Toluca. So I I, I see I see Unam and I see Tigres and I see uh, America. Um, Finish strong. Cardoso, uh, for some reason, his teams, they just tend to. I think he's a good coach, but I just think that his. The last couple of seasons, he just hasn't finished that strong. You know, speaking as a Pumas fan, I, I personally would prefer that Pumas end second or third in the table because if they end number one, that's like the death sentence for a. For a team to go into the Ligia because they always lose. It's so, curse, man. That doesn't so make those, sense, though. Well, that's just how it is. It's just it's, it's I unfortunate. I mean, the last time they won it, uh, they were up until that last week the number one team, and then uh, they lost to Tigres. Tigres ended up being the super leader, and then they got knocked out by Indios, I think it was in the first round, whatever it was. And uh, and so yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm pulling for for Pumas to be the the number two or number three team at the end. Well, keep in mind, America was when they were super leaders and champions. What was it uh, with uh, Turco, if I'm not mistaken? So yeah, I mean, it does happen, but I mean, it, but the very rare getting knocked out, yeah, is much more common. If we had, if the if the if the super leaders were <clears throat> were awarded the championship, I think La Volpe would have like a we would have more than more than a more few. Than one. More than one for sure. He'd have a he'd have a handful of them. That's true. See, that was all device to you know to go against the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the the Ligia has been around since 1970. So unless if any of y'all are, are older than than 45, then you guys know nothing about the league when it, they didn't have a Ligia. So let's let's not let's not talk about that. Yeah, I remember back in the day when Pau was with Veracruz, and they were super leaders, and uh, yeah, and Pumas they, they bombed out. They bombed yeah. out. Hey, so how about those those uh, Rogelio Funes Mori man? You know he obviously costs less than Andre Gignac or whatever Andre Gignac Gignac, and they scored the same amount of goals. So guess what? The Rayados staying true to their to their uh, you know to their wallet and saving money and getting more for their buck. Well, they gotta save money. They just spent how much in that stadium? I mean, I mean <laughs> even then. If you look at the roster, I mean, they have, a, they have a very, very good team. 
I mean, player-wise, um, they've been really uneven so far. And I mean, if it, you know, John mentioned it just a few seconds ago, but yeah, nobody really wants to finish first. I mean, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember the last team that finished first in league and then went on to win the championship. Yeah, it was America, as uh, Ronnie said. Right. Just recently, well, but yeah, but it happened, it happened so yeah. early. Exactly, you know, and so uh, even though Pumas has been quietly putting together a very nice, very coherent season, I still don't think they're going to end up taking it, you know, in whatever, in a, in a month or two when, when, when this thing wraps up. I don't see him taking it. It's going to be probably someone's going to sneak up. Santos might just get hot. Maybe this, 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 uh, the, what they're doing now, they have a... A decent team, you look at it and say, I don't know. I don't know if they're really going to be that good, but it's deceiving. I mean, I, the, the, the league is very competitive, and I, people like to call it mediocre. Um, I don't think it's mediocre. I think it's very competitive. It's an awesome I guess, game. I, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. They're in Concachapi, and Santos is too, so I think all anyone in Concachapi <laughs> is not going to win the league. But we'll yeah, but this more. is but this is the last weekend of this is the last match day of Conca oh. Champions, so they're done after that. But and, but uh, go ahead. But, but as far as like you know, with Liguilla, we you have you're gonna have Copa MX, which is gonna be Chivas, Toluca, León, and the winner of Atlas in in Tijuana. Then for uh, for uh, for the Conca Chafa, you have America. <laughs> Who else? Uh, Mont, what is it, Monterrey? Santos. 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 So, so that may, that may, I mean, that may help out the teams that are in the Liga that only have to concentrate just with one tournament. Yeah, but so, the thing is, is, it, is if Conca Champions is done, I mean, today's the last day. So there's no Conca Champions again until February or March. So that shouldn't, that shouldn't so, play into it at all. Oh, I guess I guess uh, I guess my Wikipedia was wrong then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> this, is, this is the last week. In fact, you can get us is playing right now, and they have to win. But if anyone can get an update on that score, because uh, I can't. Okay. Yeah, okay. but but, but this, is playing right now, and they have to win in order to advance. So, so Concachafa, so, man, that 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 is a trash tournament. The way they set it up, uh, three teams per group. That game is already over, um, and it and it finished zero zero. So. Does so that mean the, the day advance, or are they... No, they go through. They go through now. It, it's depending on whether or not the Galaxy beat uh, Comunicaciones and by how many will determine how the brackets and the, and the knockout oh, okay. rounds will fall. Now, the team um, that is going to have an issue with, uh, with the uh, Liguilla is going to be America because they have to go to Japan to play the Club World Cup. That's a good point. Um, I still don't think America is going to take it this year. Uh, Something about them, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. And and. Ambris. No, it's not really the coach. It's just. Um, Does they have a, a a flat top? They weren't they weren't <laughs> impressive in their game yesterday. They, they didn't have, have but they didn't have to be. I mean, yeah, they don't have to be. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, they were they were gonna win their group whether they won one loss or draw. Just, I mean, it was wait. a tramite. That's all it was. Well, yeah. even there, even in in league though, like Sambresa hasn't been impressive. Uh, it's the seen fact that, yeah, and he's somehow he's a captain of the team. Like, what? How does how does anybody reason with that? Like, the well, guys that, he's he's had some disciplinary problems this season. Some, 
Yeah, this yeah, some he's been, what he's already he's been, been thrashed in like he's a hot times, but he he I mean since he came on board he has done very well with the uh, with the team. Uh but as far as like right now there's two teams that are coming off two wins, league wins, which is one is Umas and the other one's America. Uh, I'm sorry, and and Tigres as well. Uh so that's actually three teams. So three teams. I mean right now like I said, man, towards the end of the 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 the, the season, it's all about momentum. So the teams that have it, absolutely you know, they, right. They tend to take it, and right now, with you know, you can't go wrong with you know teams that you know are basically building on on uh, wins right now. Um, but I honestly, I I mean, speaking as a as a fan of America, I wouldn't it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be heartbroken if they didn't win the league, because quite frankly, I, I want them to. I don't want them to win. I don't want them to get the title. I I, I kind of want them to start fighting for the for the Libertadores. As you know, as you know, I, I don't really want the team participating in the in the Concacaf anymore. I mean, when you talk about form, I mean, I guess the most informed team has to be Toluca. They haven't lost in what six games, seven games. Um, the team like that could potentially make a deep run. But I'm just going to go on a flyer here and say that I think that if Chivas makes it to the to the to the playoffs, I think they're a team that could potentially go all the way. I'm just going to throw it out there. Well, if they make it to the playoffs, then that'll mean that they've been playing really well because they have to. You know, as, as uh, Ronnie mentioned at the beginning, there's a big clump of teams at the end, in the mid table that are fighting for those last spots. Yeah, and usually. Like, yeah, and it's usually yeah. those teams that go from like you know from tenth to fifth. In three weeks, because they want to right, pick up that momentum. I mean, yeah, Chivas really right now they're they're literally there's a for eighth place. There's like a four or five team tie, but they're they're like two points away, three points away from from Veracruz and Puebla. So I mean, it's doable. Um, I think they've played really. I think that the last two or so games they haven't gotten the results that they wanted, but I do feel like there's a there's a there's a there's been a progression for them. Um, they've been very aggressive, and I feel like the loss of Chaton Enriquez has really kind of hindered the team because he was starting to provide balance in the midfield, and with him out, now Almeida's resorting to using Salcido and, and, and more of Castro, which is a really, really weird thing to see because one of, one of the two is fine, but to use those two guys as your central midfielders it kind of goes against what he's trying to do with these with these fast wingers and getting into the opponent's half and, and being more proactive. It, it just seems kind of like two steps forward, one back in that sense. But, but I, I see them as a team that feels like has a lot to prove. So I, I'd see them, if, if they do manage to make it, I think they could they could cause some damage. And you know, so, uh, Chaton is a type of player that gets injured every time it rains in uh... – Guadalajara. So I think yeah, it's time. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately for him, yeah, it's true. It really sucks. I mean, I, I had high hopes for that guy. I thought that he was going to be on the national team for 10 years, you know, end up being the captain. He's just, you know, he's that kind of leader, that kind of player. But, man, it's just, you know, just yeah. learn how to eat, dude, you know, I mean, because it's all muscular. It's like these guys, it's like, don't they understand that this is what their job is? It's like this is how they earn their money. you got to take fast, care of their bodies. they got to take care of their bodies. Fast dude. women, slow horses. Well, there's other dudes that are skinny, just like him. Diego Reyes. There's other. There's a ton of dudes yeah, that are skinny. I mean, it's just yeah. probably some weak bones or something. 
I feel like that's just the way that they're built, you know. Um, at least with, with Enriquez, you know, in the national team, it's... Luckily for us, we've had guys that have sort of come out of nowhere, like Aguito Vasquez and, and more recently uh, Javier Guemes. But um, we can't really be counting on, on dudes coming out of nowhere to fill up these spots. Um, and I feel like Enriquez would definitely benefit from a change of scenery. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, at least under Almeida, he's he's had a um, he's had some pretty good games. He sort of picked up his form before he got injured, but I do feel like he would he would fit in much better at a team like Santos or or I don't know even Toluca, for example. Like, I think he's a better player than Antonio Rios, a guy who has been on the national team, especially the last you know last few tournaments with uh, with Piero Herrera. I don't know. I mean, he's Chaton for my money. I mean. We need a player like him that can compete physically, and 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 sort of do his job and do it well. You know, get the ball back and, and just pass it on to the other guys that are going to do something with it. You know, so I guess, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I think that for Chivas, I think he's a big loss, and and if they can get him back, I can see them doing something pretty decent in the in the playoffs. You, you know, know, like uh, what's yeah. his name? Luis Perez just came back from Guadalajara and. He basically, uh, you know, they, they turned him into trash, so now they send him back to Monterrey. So I think Chaton go, going, you know, to to Monterrey, actually, I would think it would be a good a good thing for him, actually. That's not, a, that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea at all. I mean, I don't know if he would want to leave Guadalajara. I mean, he's been here with the club for, for a long time, but he's 25 years old, 24 years old. I mean... You know, he could still play a part in this cycle for the national team, but, I mean, it's up to him. You know, we'll see. I see a future in clouds. His passing range seemed to improve under uh, Almeida. You know, that old joke about uh, Chaton, there was a cartoon they said, uh, Le dan balones, regresa melones. Do you know where that came about or how that came about? Wasn't that Hugo Sanchez that said that when he no. came back from Europe or something? No, no, no. The uh, Brazilian player Dersel. <laughs> That's right. Dersel, he 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 went to uh, he went to go play for America and um, basically you know he uh, he meant it as an insult that you know they you know I give sweet passes and they basically give me these huge you know uh, you know watermelons you know. Damn, that's kind of racist. What's that? No, no, no he was just talking, he, he, he was in, in reference to the to the lower quality of the the, 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 the of quality the of the pass, how easy it was to control it or not. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Get a, a ball that pops up in the air when it could have been easier to pass yeah. it on the ground. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. No, I so, get so, that. Yeah. So Chivas is your surprise team then? Uh, I think if they make that. My mind is Puebla, man. I'm, 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 a, I'm, I like, I like the way Puebla plays. You guys don't think Querétaro will make it in the league again? He likes his choriceros. <laughs> no, that's 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 Toluca. No, uh, no Puebla is, uh, you know, they just camote, camoteros. Camotes. Yeah, camotes. Yeah, uh, camotes. Right. <laughs> camotes. <laughs> so, anybody else have any surprise teams? I don't know. I think Querétaro can sneak into the Guilla. Look at look at Villa, man. He has like what, eleven goals? Is a leader in the league, yeah. Yeah. I like that kid, uh, Pineda Orbelin. He's what's going on? Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. Man. 
I'm not sure why he didn't play. Or I don't know. He may have been too old, but for the Olympic team, I thought that. No, he, he fits. He fits the age. I think Kerentaro just didn't mm-hmm. release him for the oh. for the tournament. Well, they probably but even then, I mean, yeah. he's a very similar player to um, the Carlos Fierro. So I mean, people talked about like you know people have players that weren't released for the tournament, but um, Pineda has a I think has a, at least a brighter future compared to Carlos Fierro, who in my opinion is sort of topped out. Yep. Um, and I know some people will disagree with that, especially some Chivas fans. We've had some some encounters regarding this subject in, in the forums, but um, I mean now I think yesterday in the Copa MX game, or at least re- I mean the last few games, he's been playing sort of as a wing back kind of fullback role, which which he's uh, Fierro, um, and it hasn't been bad. I mean he hasn't been bad, but I mean offensively speaking, I think Orbelín Pineda has has. Uh, a couple more tricks up his sleeve, so to speak. I mean, I think I guess to Luca on on Sunday. I think he didn't he bag a brace. He, he scored two goals. Yeah, but I it think was, he uh, scored the two goals for for Querétaro, and, and, and they were really scrap. I mean, he's a small dude, but he, he's scrappy and he gets in there. And I mean, at least at the under twenty World Cup this past summer, he was one of the brighter players that we had. I mean, you know, I, I, with that said, I don't think Querétaro is going to come anywhere near the playoffs. They're just an underwhelming team. I don't know. I think Wizard Teach is going to have to get some reinforcements. There are some some good players on the team, but overall, it's just like very lackluster. Overall, I don't I don't see them making the playoffs at all. <laughs> what, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, dude, you think you, all the Gallos fans that are listening just just stop. They're done. They don't want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna break Ronaldinho's heart. Hey, Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho plans to come back. I heard. Yeah, and he says only to only to gallos blancos. Yeah. He loves those discos. Well, he <laughs> well I hear the nightlife in Querétaro is very, very good, so I can see why he'd want to come back. It's a cool little town, Querétaro. It's, it's a great spot yeah. too. It's like right between Guadalajara, Mexico City. It's uh, it's uh, one of the more uh, affluent. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Really, a lot uh, of. Uh, especially up and coming, I think I hear uh, my dad was telling me because he still lives in he still lives in Mexico. He's saying that there's a big sort of tech boom going on in uh, in Querétaro. Right. So that's bound, that's bound to bring in some some maybe some sponsors for the team. Maybe uh, they can invest in some players. And the team as a whole, I don't know. I'm just they got a, a nice stadium players there, but I don't know. They got one of the nicer stadiums in the in the league too. I like it quite a bit. I think they put some work into it. Didn't, I think the under seventeen World Cup in two thousand eleven had yeah. some games there. So that's where uh, Butragueño um, scored four goals in the eighty six World Cup. Yeah. Poor Denmark. Queretaro, to me, as a football, you know, as a soccer city, has always been kind of like a, an enigma because, I mean, this is a, this is a city that at one point had three teams in the first division. They had the Gallos Blancos. They had the Campesinos. But for some for some reason it just it, it could never they could never get a team going. I honestly think that Querétaro is going to be the new Pachuca because I mean the new owners I mean they have deep pockets. Uh, yeah, they spend a lot of money. That's for sure. So I mean I, I honestly think that they're they're going to be a team that you're going to start seeing a lot of in the future. And that's what Grupo Imagen is the name of that point. That they're owner? basically I think I th- it's I th- if I'm not mistaken it's like a family member. Uh, or, or a prestanombre, if you will, 
of the people that own, uh, like, uh, what is it, the OEM, the, you know, um, basically all the, the a lot of the newspapers and stuff like that. So I mean, they're, they're they got a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of money, so they're they're going to be around. So they're they're, they're not the secret owners like, like they were. No, the the, the league, the, the Mexican league. You're 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 not going to see the the Sermeño type, like the you know, right. like the disco type owners and and uh, and like the Carlos Omada. Those days are gone, man. The, the Liga MX owners, man, it's just a billionaires club now. Except you know, for you, Puebla, right. Puebla is like uh, the anomaly there. No. Um, well, I mean, Record just ran a story tonight saying that the Puebla players have not been paid and they are considering boycott. I it's sort of what people are talking about, Puebla being a, a media candidate for the playoffs, this could be something that could distract them, you know, uh, from from the last few games of the season. I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, I mean, Puebla, and I, I still think that the, the, the owners from Tijuana, I think there's, it's their... I think they're shady. Obviously, you know, you know, a lot of people probably read, you know, uh, the the Ron family. But uh, yeah, you're right about Puebla. I mean, Puebla, they just, I mean, from sending they what they sent an owner to jail a couple of years back, Bernata, what was it Bernat? I believe. Yep. So, but yeah, I, I think Querétaro, they're going to be around for some good years. Yeah, and 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 like you said, you know, because of the fact that the that it's kind of a, like a little boom town and it's got a lot of money. I mean, I mean, Liga MX, when, who was it, La Piedad came in the league a few years ago, they're like, ah, oh, you know, there's no way. Uh, you know, the owner's like, well, I'm going to go to, and they had that shuffle where one went to Veracruz and San Luis went to Querétaro and they just, they just, you know, they want to make sure that they have a presence in some of these towns. You know, that's why I'm so surprised that Atlanta is still in the second division because, you know, Cancun is an up-and-coming place too outside of the tourist zone, and, you know, it's a shame that they don't have a presence down in that part of the country because, you know, that, that's another area that, that that's that's done real well, and it wouldn't surprise me in the least uh, honestly, if, uh, go ahead. I don't, honestly, I don't think Atlanta and Nick X are ever going to be the teams that they were before. Well, sure. I mean, I agree with you there, but, I mean, I mean the, the baseball team moved down there. Uh, Tigres moved down to, I don't know if it's Cancun specifically, but I know they went down to, the, to that part of the they seem to have done really well, and uh, it just wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, whichever team comes up next, if it's like, a, if it's like, you know, the the team from Nayarit, they go, you know what, we're just gonna sell the team and go to Cancun, and, and then Atlanta becomes the new, what is it, Coras, the Tepic, or whatever it is. <laughs> it just it just wouldn't surprise me at all, you know. The former Chivas franchise. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're t- talking about talking about Atlanta, talking about Necaxa. Those are two teams that obviously you know you know that they were owned by Televisa, right? Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I mean, to the to the Mexican press, that's like a big no-no. Even though you know, even though there's never been any hint of of, of corruption, because I mean, you, you can you can cry it all day, you can you know you can scream it, say hey, that have you know, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, but no, there's proof. never been there's never been a proof. Of wait, any wait, wrong. Rodney, Rodney, there was that one it's, season when when. Uh, America took all of Necaxa's starting squad. <laughs> I'll say, aside from that, aside from yeah. that, I agree with you. But but well, San Luis ends up with like some <laughs> petardos de America. Yeah, they're... you know. Uh, I don't know, man. 
no, but overall, Ronnie's right. Overall, they were doing, they were managing the teams really good. Yeah, I mean, remember Nekaxa was the last dynasty, honestly. I mean, yes, they and, were. And, and it's funny because you know, they, you know, they, they're always talking. They're always talking about you know the, the corruption of the the multi ownership, the multi ownership. Well. I don't. I, I don't think that you know the Mexico, the Mexican League. I, I don't think at that time it, it it had eighteen or even twenty individual owners that could you know manage and administer uh, a first division side. Uh, and I still don't think because I mean I, I mean honestly, I, what is it? Uh, we're in what year three of like what in two years? Uh, what is it? Salinas and uh, Slim are supposed to let go of another. T- Team correct if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Honestly, I don't. I don't. I think they should. I think if if they let go of Atlas, I think Atlas is going to be or Morelia. I think Morelia is going to be in trouble. Oh yeah, I mean Morelia is already sort of sinking as it is. Um, we talk about middling teams, and Morelia is just. They made the final. What was it? It was against Pumas, no? Not, I mean, yeah, in 2011. Right, right, and and I remember watching that game. And it was, I don't even know how they made it. It was, it, it's been nothing but a free fall for them since. And I don't think it's going to get any better. I mean, the last, the, the last time they were exciting to watch was actually when Romano uh, was around. Cause when they went to those two, was it those two uh, finals back-to-back, if I'm not mistaken, like in 2003, 2004, something. I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Navia and Bofo. I mean, the the thing that stands out to me about those finals was the the, the constant Nacademia, you know. They just <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But other than that, they were a fun team to watch. But I mean, I I don't I don't think that uh, that Salinas uh, should get should, should get rid of Morelia because I think it's only going to hurt the league in the long run. I think you know they should get you know get rid of that team. When you have an able uh, owners group, if you will. Well, Morena well, just got a sub for them in big soccer, so they should definitely step up. They're going to get relegated it's, soon. It's going to be visited by nobody. Let's be I know. honest. I mean, do, do, you guys, do you guys think uh, Liga MX will expand, add more teams? I don't, I don't think they, they need to. I don't think they need to, to be no. honest. I mean, no. Ronnie, Ronnie made a good point about that just, just a few seconds ago. Um, and I think that's one of the things that they that this whole Liga MX thing is sort of uh, trying to sort of professionalize themselves in that sense. One of the things was to get rid of um, the multipropiedad, which the press has really made it out to be more than I think it really is or ever has been. Um, I, look, if, it, if, if an ownership group has a means to maintain two teams and make them competitive, I'm not really sure that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing because how is that different from an ownership group that barely has enough money to pay the players and to pay the bills and the, the, the players that they're bringing in as reinforcements are usually just second or third tier uh, foreign players. You know, if, if, if an ownership group has the money to maintain two teams, I mean, why not? Well, I would say, well, I would say one of the things is clubs end up losing their identity. So you see with Atlante, they ended up... They but Necaxa, too, I guess. Yeah, yeah and, and... Well, the Necaxa... Nec- well, keep in mind, Necaxa lost its identity not because of Televisa. They lost their identity 
when the league first started back in in, in 1943, they 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 did not want to pay players. They wanted to remain amateurs. Mm -hmm. So basically, they said, "Uh, uh-uh, we're not going to participate." So they they didn't exist, not even on paper, for like eight nine years. So when they decided, when you know, back then, back in the 50s or so, when there was a anti-Spanish sentiment. And the two Spanish teams from, uh, you know, Asturias and España, when they were basically when they left the team, um, they they left the league. They invited they invited Necaxa back, but but the by that point their their you know their fan base was gone. And ever since then, they're they've always been trying to get their fan base. They even you know changed their name to Atlético Español, mm-hmm. not nothing. So. And also with Atlante, it wasn't because of Televisa. You know, Necaxa. You know, they they were owned by uh, by a club, but then, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was like the, the uh, Mexican Social Security uh, administration. They basically owned them for a while. No, that was Atlante. It, uh, uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. Atlante. I mean, yeah. it was they they were owned by them. So, and then the government started bouncing checks, and you know, all hell went. You know. So where did they lose the identity again? Where? Well, just 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 bad ownership. I mean, just I mean, they they went through different ownerships. Uh, Atlante, but it was never because of Televisa per se. I mean, they they lost it because I mean, what Atlante at one point had what? How many times have they been relegated? What four times now? Mm, no, I'm not blaming. Like I'm not blaming Televisa for like Necaxa in the '90s. They were. I think they were doing that yeah, with the team. Yeah, yeah, they had a resurgence in the nineties. I remember the, the FIFA they used Club to play World Cup. Azteca, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the game. Oh yeah, that's right. Two thousand. Hey, Ronnie. So your point is, uh, once the team start losing uh, games, they start losing their identity, their fans. No, it's it's when it's when it's when uh, uh, owners don't take the, the the team serious. You know that's that's when they start losing the identity. I mean, at least in the in the in the case of Necaxa, it was different. That that team just didn't exist on paper isn't, legally. Isn't that a how do you say a motivation to get rid of multipropiedad? Because you know uh, an organization only can focus on one team, and the other team becomes a feeder team. But but you know what, guys? One thing that we're we're not saying. It was around that time of um, and, and I'm not blaming multi. Uh, I'm saying around that time, Liga MX was trying to expand because it used to be very centralized. Yeah. I think they, 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 you know, they, they tested the waters with Necaxa and Atlante. And I think that it just ruined the teams to an extent. Well, it, well it's, th- that was more of that anti-Televisa sentiment more than anything because like I said I mean you you can the press can they can they can they can start screaming you know corruption all day long but at, 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 there comes a point where you're going to have to show proof and honestly when when have you seen a club owner or a player gone out and say oh yes uh, you know um, they told me to, to to basically lose his game against America or against Nick Ox or against you know Atlantis. It's never gonna happen, but you know there is circumstantial, maybe say evidence. You know, like you know, like I don't know. All of a sudden, para que se salve uno de la liguilla, otro pierde. You know, that's been always been rumored here and there in the past. And you know, well, that's all it is. It's rumors. It's, um, yeah, it's rumors. Yeah, you, the, you know, the factual the, evidence. 
I grew up. I grew up. Um, I grew up on this whole the referees favor America, and and I believe that <laughs> even it's even without having no no clear evidence, and uh, that was that was just like it was common knowledge. But then, but then you know, I would look at the. They went like 13 years without winning. Uh, exactly. The the, the, and it's like, the, well, the, they're helping them. They're not doing the it in the right games. The proof is in the pudding. I mean, you you have America with 12 league, ti- 12 league titles. You have Chivas <laughs> with 11. You have Toluca with 11. You have Cruz Azul or Toluca. Uh, what is it? America has 12. Chivas and Toluca, I think I have 11. Cruz Azul has 9 or something like that. So I mean, it's 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 not like it's it's it, we're not talking about like Rangers Celtic numbers where two teams or one team has like twenty thirty more uh, titles than the next uh, team. Uh, I mean, but the only time the only time that I've read about where you know there was some shady dealings was uh, actually uh, a game between America and Pueblo back in the nineteen seventies. When Puebla was winning three nothing, and somehow the game was stopped, and uh, it had to it had to be replayed, and uh, in America, America <laughs> ended up winning. <laughs> uh, so, but I mean, that's the only time. I mean, that's the only proof. They, they tried to say, make one, right, Rooney against Morelia. What's that? The one incident against Morelia uh, in, in, in the in, in the uh, in the Liguilla. Yes. Back in the what is it, eighty-eight or eighty-nine? I don't remember which one. It was one. Uh, it was Tampico Madero. No, 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 no. It was Morelia. It was Morelia. Oh. Well, it was uh, Carlos. If I'm not mistaken, he was Carlos Milok. I think was the coach. Yeah, El Tanque Milok. El, Tan- El Tanque. I think he was the coach. If I'm not mistaken. No, yeah, but no, no. Milok, he's a he's a sensationalist. If you went by the like the rules. Oh yeah. It, you know it. it uh, the the rules. You know. They they left the field, but the thing about it is the the penalties had to be taken if I'm not mistaken. But I I remember that uh, they did the the refs did follow the rules. But it was just you know me luck being me luck, you know. <laughs> but uh, that pretty much covers uh Liga MX, uh, Copa MX. There's not really much to talk about other than uh, Cruz Azul, La Cruz Azulion. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. Well, we yeah, gotta I mean, go to Conca Champions now. Conca Champions. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I watched the America game yesterday, and um, this dude Michael Arroyo pulled like a, a chicharito two or three or one or two times uh, on some easy finishes. So they went down one in Honduras against uh, Herediano. No Motagua, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then again, they came back and scored, so they tied it. But the game didn't matter. I mean, honestly, they were going to win the group. It was. Uh, you know, it was just a formality that they that they had to play. It was procedural that they had to play the game. But uh, the the team that really needed to win was Santos, and they just put a whooping on Saprisa yesterday. They did yeah, Saprisa's Saprisa's falling down or something because six one. I remember back in the day when, well, back in my day, when they were challenging Pumas. Well, they beat Pumas. Yeah, they, yeah, beat they, were, they were owned by Vergara back then. Yeah. yeah. They didn't like the whole. Uh, or even the Costa Rican team. They didn't like the Costa Rica only policy he put, and and it's funny because they won. They won like back to back championships. Yeah, and then Querétaro won just because the Panamanian side with San Francisco that was in their group lost to believe to the, the, the team from Belize called Verdes. So they, and that was the only reason they made it through. 
But basically, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole tournament is ending up, I assume, as they planned, all four Mexican teams and then all four MLS, MLS teams. teams. So that's means... that's the whole purpose of this is MLS versus Mexico, and that's the yeah. only reason why I care about it. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, so what? Even then, now, what's going to happen is, I think most likely we're bound to see is. Um, the Mexican teams will face off against each other in the quarterfinals, and the MLS teams will do the same because CONCACAF is doing their very best to avoid having the knockout rounds be Liga MX teams and MLS teams because the chances of avoiding a, a Liga MX final, you know, I guess it, it makes sense in that, you know, in, in, in sort of the way that they have it. Uh, uh, structured, but but it's kind of Mickey Mousey in a way. Well, I mean, it, uh, it is. Aren't they doing just like the one through eight, and wherever you fall, that's where that's that that's where you play? Or are they going to say think, no, no, no? Wait no, a second, wait a second. No, 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 I'm pretty sure they're gonna they're gonna do Liga MX first. You know, um, no, you know. it is it, it is the uh, one through eight thing, kind of like how we do the Liga, where the the one and the eight, and the two and the seven, and the three and the six and five four, they face each other. Well, it worked yeah, out last year that way. MLS But uh, honestly, I, I, we should just go back to they should just go back to way the way it was with the Champions Cup, where mm-hmm. I mean it just lasted you know basically you know from February to to May or whatever. I mean, <coughs> I mean, or, or Ronnie, Ronnie, they could go back when it was held over the weekend. Yeah, in Las Vegas, dude. you know. Honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually I'm actually a big fan of the Coca Champions just because. I think that it helps the the other countries get better, and I think we've seen that. You know, that's that certainly helped Panama. Yeah. It's, it's helped some of the other countries. But and, at whose expense? Well, that's fine. Then 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 Mexico needs to learn to get better too. You know, yeah, that's it, the it one helps thing. The region grow. That's the one thing I remember La Volpe saying is like, yeah, these countries have gotten better. But, you know, Mexico needs to get better too. You know, I'm not saying that, but you know, I think that that's one thing that I think we're starting to see that the U.S. is going through, that Mexico went through maybe in the last couple of cycles, is that the U.S. thinks that they've got CONCACAF in the bag. So Jurgen's like, well, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Let's go play all these European friendlies because those are the teams we need to learn how to beat. And, and in so doing, you know, they're kind of forgetting that the teams around here aren't that bad. And, you know, now they're, I mean, they've lost, what, four in a row to CONCACAF in, uh, in the U.S.? Is they've lost the last five games against CONCACAF teams. They've won one, and that right. was against Cuba. That right. was against Cuba, so um, yeah, I guess you can say that other teams are getting better. I mean, I think there's no denying that. Um, and just a quick look at at least the national teams, I would say that Panama has been the most, the one who's benefited the most. I, I think Panama is a team that has some very interesting things going on, but they still sort of suffer. They're very naive in a sense. I mean, you look a quick look at the Mexico Panama game from last week. Uh, you know, fouls get called against them. They, they crowd the ref. They lose their concentration. But um, they're a team that's been tough, and even even their club teams have been tough for the Mexican yeah. teams and uh, the Con- the Conca champions. Yeah. So I mean, because of that, I mean, I think, you know, I think that this is one thing. I think Mexico is finally starting to realize that you know what, we need to take care of business here first. Then let's go. We know we can play the other guys. We don't have to go prove ourselves. And we've. You know, we can hang with any team in the world, and, you know, we've proven it. But, but, but what we have to do is we have to take care of stuff here first. And Right, but the thing is, 
We still haven't. Mexico still hasn't won a Copa Libertadores. Wait, okay. wait. I, I want to go back to to hanging with any team in the world, because then we go to the FIFA World Cup, and our teams get eliminated by like some Korean team or some team from India. Well, that hadn't happened. Oh, you mean the Club World Cup? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, we yeah, always lose most to the some time. unknown I mean, team, dude. They think about that. You know that that always happens in Japan. How long is that flight? I mean. Yeah, it's been going on since like yeah. I mean, but the team usually goes before like there were plenty of attempts to prepare. Yeah. And, and and almost always the the teams that they, that have gone and and in at least in the club World cup have been on such a bad streak that yes. uh, I mean they've just been playing terrible. I mean it's like it's a, that's why it's no surprise if they lose. But uh, I would I would counter that it's more of a style of play issue because I think that if you look at like Pachuca and Monterrey when they had those sort of stumbles. Uh, I think Pachuca was against. Um, uh, help me out here. It was a team. It was some. It was a, the African champion from Morocco. Tepe uh, Mazembe. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> with that guy Kidiaba who was buncing on the on the field. But Pachuca, one. Pachuca literally was camped out on their end of the field, knocking the ball around, looking for spaces to 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 slip the through balls in, and 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 then the counter, uh, ball gets you know, long ball over the top. Iramier goes over to, to sort of clean it up. The, the the one forward that was that was up top, like sort of muscles him off the ball. And you know, like it's plays like that. And then the, the rest of the game is whatever Mexican team is playing, sort of looking for a way in. And I, I think it's a style of play issue because in Liga MX you see it a lot. I mean the, the pace of the game is a little bit slower, it's more methodical teams, and they get used to that. And that might be enough to get you through the Conca champions. But you run into the same issues even in Libertadores where teams that sort of dominate possession or are, are pretty good at it are also burnt on counters, on set pieces, and then it's a struggle to get back into the game. But, I mean, it's a, it's a combination of factors, really. Hey, you know, going back, to the, going back to the Conca Champions, I just want to mention that for me, personally, the reason I don't like that tournament is that they always structure it so that you end up with a Liga MX team versus MLS team, and then they try to play up that whole that uh, todos somos MLS or whatever, you know, whatever slogan they use now. Dude, like last time, I'm sorry. Right, last, what was it? Uh, Real Salt Lake versus uh, uh, I think it was uh, the, the hashtag was, and if I'm not mistaken, um, you guys are welcome to correct me. I think it was MLS for RSL. Which yes. Is, yeah. Those are those are epic levels of corniness that we don't even have time to get into. Um, it's garbage, anything, man. Anything to build up the game. I'm sure, in the we US. don't have five minutes for that. No, we we shouldn't even expend any time on that because we have some other things we can definitely talk about. <laughs> hey, man. I'm again. You know. Well, the, the the thing is that they have way too many teams from both and from both leagues and. Personally speaking, I don't think MLS has has done anything to deserve four teams in this. Exactly. I mean, and I mean, having eight groups. Man. Actually, yeah. haven't they had like five or six in the past with like the uh, with the? Well, they the, get five because of the Canadian team. They, so they really yeah, exactly. have five teams. Yeah. Damn Canadians. So they get more than <laughs> League MX, which is uh, to, to it's the same league. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, that's why I mean I think they need to you know, to cut that to like two or three. I mean, I, I you know, I, I mean, I understand why the league is set up the way it is, you know, because obviously, you know, the more games, the more TD money, blah blah blah. I get that. Yeah, but, Blazer, the ten percent. Yeah, yeah, Mr. 
Did you notice that the, in the Blazer Bowl, the, the winning trophy was ten was about ten per, a ten percent version of the real Concacaf Gold Cup? The only percent. I was noticing that today. But, yeah, but I mean, I, I personally I like the tournament. I think that it's uh, you know I mean to me anything for our region to be better. I'm all I mean I, I'm all for it. I know that you know the way it's run is ridiculous, but you know I mean I like the fact that Panama is not someone you need to deal with, and you know yes. I think Honduras has gotten better, and that's and and, and 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 at the end of the day, you know nine times out of ten, a Mexican team is going to end up winning it. Yeah, so, that's, yeah. that's what I look forward to just beating an MLS team, even if Giovanni dos Santos is on it. Yeah, so, I hope you that way can actually go like... down. Man, I think I think Giovanni's eating too many Tommy burgers. He's <laughs> yeah, he he kind of fell off. Is that why Belinda's been text uh, sending those like racy type photos to motivate him or something? No, no, no. Gio, Gio's got some other girl now, man. He, he uh, apparently yeah. he's, you know he's moved on from. Uh, he's, come on, he's in L.A., man. He's, he's hey, a he... rich young athlete. He's gonna have plenty of options. Well, I mean, that's if, if Jolie will, you know, will let him share. I, I guess that that's probably true. <laughs> he still posts those Instagram pictures of him and his brother on all all those flashy clothes and stuff. Man, I gotta tell you, Giovanni to me, if made the just the biggest mistake in his career going to Tottenham at at oh, at, yeah. at, at the period where he, you know, it could have gone either way for him. And I'm not I'm not saying staying at Barcelona would have been an option, but I think. You know, if he would have just gone to a team to, so he could just learn how to play, and instead of doing nothing for three years. Well, the coach, the coach had promised him playing time. But no, I, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. But you know, then the coach also lost his first seven games, and they got rid of him. And it just, yeah, it just, yeah. just I know, but, but I, had I, the it was coach, a tough decision. It was a tough decision. What did I mean? Had the coach stayed for a year or two? No, I, I believe me, I agree. But you know, didn't want to also ask him to stay. <laughs> You know, yeah, I mean, well, that's that's one of the things that I understand because there's been this um, sort of myth that's been perpetuated about Gio and, and, and the way he left Barcelona. Guardiola has gone on record saying he never asked him to leave; he wanted him to stay. And it was Gio who said, "I think I need to move on." There was a bit of a thing there with Bojan. You, you know what? And a lot of it had to do with his dad. Absolutely. Because because um, he wanted him to get promoted because Messi was already. And and I got to see them training when they came. They, it's when they had just acquired um, some of the Juventus players, Turam, and uh, I can't remember the Sambrota. That yeah. acquired like two or three. Yeah, they were. They had, and then they were doing a tour in the U.S. and and Gio and Messi were, were like, they were training and they were like, they were gonna promote both of them, but then they ended up just giving, just giving Messi the playing time. But, well, but even, around... even uh, when, when Gio, in his first, well, his first and only actual season with uh, the first team, uh, where he played league games, he scored a hat trick, I think, in his last game um, before, you know, against Moosey, I think it was. Yeah, but it was. He, that season, he he was getting minutes off the bench, and, and he was sort of a rotational player uh, that was being asked to do somewhat what Messi was doing. And he got the most of his minutes that he played were actually when Messi was injured. Um, so I, I, I think John's on to something there. I think that I think another year at Barcelona would have probably at least would have probably avoided him. No, going but, but to would have, would have going back. So it was him, and then they had 
Bojan had come up too. Right. There was, there was yeah, there was this whole competing. And but, but the dad was really pushing for for Gio to be like he he he's the one that said like you need to be starting, you need to be like one of the main guys because they had offered to send them on loan. They're like, we'll send That's you right. on loan and you could come back and and he ended up going to Tottenham. Ugh. I think his dad, because and if you go back to here when his dad would do some interviews, they were pretty. His dad would get heated up and talk. Yeah. He talk or if he would have stayed in Spain, maybe at least. But well, this a is a good segue to uh, the U17. Excellent. I want to comment on that. I didn't get to watch the game today, but apparently they didn't do too well. Uh, now they did pretty bad in the second half. I mean, they still they they, they create a lot of chances, but uh, they they kind of slacked off in the second. Yeah, I took notes for, on this game. So did I. Put them all down. Do tell, do tell. No, what I noticed, uh, the obvious difference from the Argentina game versus uh, today's game was that they played a backline of uh, four today. And uh, Monday they played, uh, was it Monday or against Argentina? They played a backline of three. So they looked a lot more comfortable against Argentina. And uh, also the backline... The team was really, how do you say, stretched vertically. The you know the yeah. space between the lines. It was uh, yeah. it was it. Was, I think there was too much space. Uh, uh, in the Monday game, the the lines were more compressed, and so you had players uh, uh, switching lines, and so you had a lot more combination play, which 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 is something that uh, the Mexican youth teams, at least the last you know you could say the last three or four, they they have not showing not have have not shown this ability to change lines to hold possession. Uh, so I think that was the biggest difference that the uh, backline kept staying back, and you couldn't they couldn't play a lot of combinations. They were playing long balls from the back to to. They weren't a threat on the counter. I don't understand. I guess the change of tactics was because they only used one forward. Uh, but there was no reason to play deep because uh, Monday's game. Oh, I'm I'm just gonna mention about Monday's game. I think Mexico completely outclassed this Argentina U17. The Argentina U17, they were, I mean, they were strong, they were physical, they were fast, but the majority of the 50-50 balls, the majority of of challenges in the back, the Mexican Zagueros, dude, they were, they're just solid. They weren't been very organized, but they were, yeah. Germany beat them 4-0 today too, so they're, yeah. they're uh, out. during during the throughout the broadcast, uh, El Mosillo, Carlos El Mosillo said something, uh, you know, that we've all thought. That you know, when you play against, you know, when Mexico plays against the superpowers, they show up. But then when they play against teams that Mexico they, should beat, they play down to them. They they play down to them, and I think I don't think that's the case because the kid, I mean, the, the kids were playing, and they were at first, you know, the first half especially, they were trying to create chances. But you know, I, I always I've always thought that it's always been easier for Mexico to play against an Argentina, a Brazil, because. They let you play because they also exactly. like to play. Exactly. But they didn't. Argentina didn't. In the first half, Argentina uh, stayed back to absorb pressure. In the second half, they came, they came out pressing, and yeah. you you saw a difference. And I just think I just think they were too vertical, and they're they're not comfortable with a back line of four. And you remember Potro uh, with his U17 teams, he always said, "Hey, they're they don't like playing back line of four. They prefer a back line of three. It was working for them in the first half, though. Lalo Aguirre, he was yeah. he was making some pretty good runs, um, made an awesome shot to hit the post. Yeah. Uh, so and that, that, and that, 
that was one of the criticisms that uh, Hermosillo, you know, had was that, you know, why, why is the coach trying to invent uh, the, the role that he had for him because he it seems like he had him further back as to, you know, he had him for the front during the you know the game against Argentina. Oh, that was Lopez and and uh, Magaña. Lopez, right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Lopez and uh, Lopez and Magaña. He he switched the roles. Yeah, yeah you're moved, kidding. He moved That's Lopez terrible. out wide for some reason. I mean, he, he's pretty decent. I mean, I mean, for my money, he's him and the two fullbacks for for the next this under seventeen team are um, have been the best players on the team, uh, along with the goalie. I mean, the goalie today, Romero, had an outstanding save off a free kick. It's oh, on. Beautiful. If you guys get a chance to see it, it's it's just absolutely top class. It was memo like. Um, no, to be to be fair, I think we need to give some credit to Australia because because Mexico, while not really obviously putting the chance away, they were better in the first half. Australia adjusted in the second half. In those first 15, 20 minutes, Australia found spaces and they got in there and they they weren't dangerous in the final touch, but but they were they were sort of pushing it in there and 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 they. You know, Mexico couldn't find themselves, and and yes, it's true. The team was very stretched out, and and at and at, and at, and at points, all you saw were just clearances to to Aguirre, who was the only guy up top yeah. against three defenders. Okay. I mean, that's <sighs> never yeah. gonna work. Um, you know, Australia. Funny. Just just a quick point. I think Australia. I mean, Mexico. I mean, if we can get into like really vague comments about how Mexico plays up or down to the rival, but. If anything, I think that Mexico has trouble with teams that are equally as comfortable in possession and have an, a physical advantage or can match them physically. And I think Australia did that in the second half. Australia was awfully comfortable in possession. They you they didn't really lose the ball a lot. And they found spaces, and they were physically challenging our players and winning those 50-50 challenges, or as I was talking about last week, those secondary balls. You know, that's for you, Basic. I know you're listening, but at the end of the day, the secondary balls are essential. I think that, I mean, for me, I think that whenever I watch a Mexican team play, uh, most notably the national teams, you can always get a sense of the game by how we're doing when it comes to recovering those se those secondary balls. And we did it against Argentina. Not only, and it's sometimes like it's like the ball fall, it just so happens to bounce your way or whatever, or the spacing of the midfield helps in that sense. But against Argentina, we were physically challenging for those balls and winning them. And, 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 I, and, and I think a big part of that is the fullbacks. Those two guys, Ulises Torres and I think the other kid, I forget his name, those guys are not easily beaten 1v1. They were not by Argentina and they were not by Australia. That's a strength in this team, and, and I think for my money, this team, collectively, is better than the last two teams, and those two teams made it to the final. Well, that I said, don't I don't know if this team is going to make it to the final in this tournament. You, you know what, though, those two teams, they were, they, were organized, uh, they were organized much better in the back, and, and I was remembering the, uh, even Chucho's U17, who were basically, they were all defenses at the three, four guys up top, Gio. Bella, uh, the Cruz Azul guy Villaluz there, that, that Villaluz. Yeah, Villaluz, yeah. and then, so, I think individually, uh, these guys just do things that other, the other teams, they, they, they weren't able to do, 
uh, you know, their playing style, their their possession style. But I think in the back, they're not as would have been, you know, that would piss off Tuca. You know, Tuca Ferretti would be frustrated with these guys. Uh. Well, one of, the, one of the two center backs is going to make way for uh, Cesar Montes from Monterrey for the next under-20 World Cup. Uh, um, one of them is, I believe, is from Pachuca. The other guy, Cervantes, is Cervantes and Esquivel. Esquivel, uh, actually, I think they're both from Pachuca, the both Cervantes center backs. Hey boys, I'm going to hop in here. No, real Cervantes quick. is um, Cervantes is the, the the center mid that that pairs up with uh, with Pablo Lopez. Esquivel and Venegas are the two center backs, I believe, and I think they're both from. Pretty sure they're both from Pachuca. I, I, I find them very interesting. I think they're very interesting players. Um, they they are very well rounded, but that's that's at this level. I think that obviously we we've seen this before with Mexico with the under-17s, that next step to the under-20s is a lot tougher for our teams at the World Cups. Um, so I do think one of those two guys, if not both of them, will end up making way for, for Montes, and, and maybe someone else will pop out an hour. Um, it's a weird age. A lot of There's a lot of players that didn't make the cut that will probably could surpass some of the other players. Um, I, I, I like the team as a whole. I... I, I I mean, if I had to guess, I think we can say that they're going to lose against Germany. Germany seems to be the class of this group, and obviously one of the best teams in the tournament. But I mean, four points can get us to the next round, and, and then it's the knockout stages. Then yeah, Mexico is uh, already in like the next the, you round. Know, they've they've made the next round. That that's they're in, because even if they lose to Germany, they'll be they'll be one of the best third place teams if it turns hey, out. But you know, uh, I was checking the play Nigeria. Though. Well, I saw something uh, in the in the tournament. They have a fair they have a heavy team fair play. Point. I can't hear, so dude. Damn, it sounds like Kanye. It sounds like sorry. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> Cap, guys, uh, just Cap give me a second. I just need to say uh, uh, my phone's about to die, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hop off. But it's been great talking to y'all, and let's do it again soon. Blackwater, John. Thanks. Hey, John. Late. Hey, you guys were mentioning the best your places. They they have the fair play points, so I think that's gonna that's the first time that I've noticed that. So I don't know if they've done it in in the if they did it for the U20, but if you have uh your yellow cards and your red cards, that could be a tiebreaker for the oh, third. Yeah, we, we had yeah we had two yellow cards today. Um, and I think, and I think the yellows are the, uh, the Argentines too. So well, well I don't know if we're gonna be wanting to fair play or. And uh, so they're each yellow is like a point each, and. Uh, well, I was gonna mention to you guys. I know you guys probably won't care for this too much, but the goal, the Mexico goalie, he's actually, he's from LA. He plays for uh, the LA Galaxy uh, uh, Academy. That's right. And, Get him uh, out of there! Get him out of there! I don't want him anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty well, he, also, he, <laughs> he, uh, the, uh, he was on the on the U.S. team. Is that he the one? Is that Mexico. the one that? Uh, yeah, is that the one that recently said that uh, he 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 played for the U.S. but then he left because he didn't like the way he was being treated by some of the players and coaches? It was very similar to what happened with Omar Sangalo when he was at Chivas, where he, he ended up saying that um, he didn't feel comfortable because the players used to call him Gringo or Pocho or something like that. Um, in between the lines with Romero, there was talk about him. You know, playing banda music, and and some of his teammates were just like, well, "What are you doing? Like, what is this?" You know, I, I would have been the same, dude. Oh. Uh, 
Well, and, and, and some of the U.S. fans have said, well, it's kind of weird because the team does have a lot of, has a, uh, quite a few Mexican-Americans and or, you know, Hispanic players. And it's weird that he would say that. Again, it's, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just who, who knows what really happened. But, but I'm glad that we have him because I think he's a, he's a very good prospect uh, as a goalkeeper. So. And he's already six foot three or over. He's already over six foot three. Are you, are you thinking of, of Jesse Gonzalez or, or, or Romero? No, no, or, or Romero. Ah, no, I didn't know. I didn't know how All right, boys, uh, let's uh, – the last question uh, – or the last thought for uh, the, the U-17, and it's a question that, you know, you know, people have been asking, is Mexico a, a world power at the U-17 level? Yes. In general, or or this team, or just in general, in general. I don't okay, think they're performance wise. Yes. Maybe the U seventeen level. But there's a fall off between the U seventeen level and the U twenty level. Right, for right. But, but right now we're talking about U seventeen because I mean a lot of reports, you know, from the international press and also you know the, what the TV, a lot of the the commentators are saying, Mexico being their favorite to win this. Do you still see them as a favorite? I think uh, uh, they're a contender. I think I don't know if they're the favorite. I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my thought on that until I see them play against uh, Germany. Germany. Yeah, that's a good point. That would well, be I'm a good. Sure, uh, well, I'm not sure how much that will tell us. I think I think uh, I think if you look at the results of the program as a whole at the under 17 level, the last I mean the two finals. You know, the last two tournaments we made it to the final. Um, we won one of them, yes, at home. Uh, so I guess you could say at the at, at the World Cup tournament itself, recently you could say Mexico is a favorite in that sense. At, at this tournament, I don't think they're favorites. I, I think contenders is an excellent way of putting it. Okay. Well, overall, right, now, the international press does respect the uh, the you know U17 program. No. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's change subjects to uh, to Osorio. Uh, you know he he said this week uh, talking about the uh, really about the complacency of the, the Mexican cho uh, coaches staying in Mexico and not basically you know start searching other other pastures. Uh, what do you guys think about you that? You know, I think that's something comparable to what happens to uh, to the youth players where. You know, maybe in Mexico they start making uh, some dough, and they, you know, they start partying with some of the. You know, they get called up to this to the first team. They play a couple games. They they make some buddies on the first team, and they're suddenly they're partying every you know Friday, Thursday night, or Saturday night instead of a, uh, you know, focusing on their diet, their nutrition, and their their training. And we were so, talking about this on the Twitter on the Twitter. Yeah. So. The, uh, I, and I, was... I, I have a serious, serious problem, you know, with what Osorio says about that, about you know Mexican coaches or even the players or even the or even the you know uh, the the suits, you know, who you know who go off to Europe and, and take these courses and you know, stuff like that. But I, I I have a serious problem when when they say that a Mexican player or a Mexican coach they lack ambition. Or they're just mediocre because they don't want to leave Mexico because they're comfortable in Mexico. I mean, let's be really honest. I think there's some. 
Well, let me let me let me put it to you this way. Let me put it to you this way. And let's go back twenty years ago. Let's go back thirty years ago, and even fifteen years ago. For La Volpe, Argentina, World Cup champion, goes to Mexico. Goes to Mexico from a football that's better than that's better than Mexican football. What is what? Why did he go to Mexico? Money. The answer answer he was he he got he was getting paid three times more, according to him he was getting paid three times more. And that so so when you're when you're talking about you know player or coaches or players uh, you know from like Carlos Milok from Uruguay, Belibor uh, Bora, you know from Yugoslavia at the time when they had you know they when they had a strong football uh, program in, in in Central Europe, going going to Mexico. Because Mexico would pay, you know, would, back in the day, would, before you know all these international tournaments, Mexico would pay for the uh, pentagonales and the and all those type of tournaments. You know, they would bring in you know top teams from Europe and stuff like that. You'd have you had players that came, loved Mexico, loved the stadiums, and say, hey, I want to stay over here. So, m my point is, you had you have all these players and coaches from you know from from footballing nations like Brazil, like Uruguay, from Argentina. Who go to Mexico, and they stay in Mexico. Well, I mean, wouldn't that be more mediocre because you're going to a lesser football? I mean, let's let's be honest. The, the reason they're going to Mexico is because they're getting paid more. So why no. why why demonize why demonize the Mexican coach who is there for the same reason that you are, money? Yeah, well, he's I just, think well, he's going there for money too. So let's 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 put it let's put it into context because. Osorio was asked about what Tomas Boy originally said. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so he answered. I don't think he should have answered, and I think his answer was was rather vague and sort of very. It was it was cliche. I mean, what you got to look at is, does a Mexican coach learn, or will will they improve by leaving and going to coach in Peru, in Colombia? In, I mean, other than Brazil and Argentina, I don't think there's much of an improvement that can be made for a coach coming from Mexico, unless they go to Europe, like Aguirre did, for example, or, or some of, you know, like uh, Ambriz, for example. Um, so in that sense, I don't understand what exactly he's getting at, uh, because he, he uses his example, like himself as an example, as a Colombian coach. The, Col the Colombian league is very good. Within within the spectrum of South American leagues, and they do a much better job at, at ex exporting players than I guess you could say Mexico does because they have some very raw, very good talent, and, and, and it's a market that's been exploited recently. As far as the players go, again, what 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 does a player gain? What does a player gain by leaving Cruz Azul, for example, and, and going to play in Peru or going to play in Bolivia? Again, if you're not going to, you know, either Brazil, Argentina as a player, or maybe one of the top teams in Colombia, what do you really gain? You know, so it's a bit of a conundrum there. There's not a lot of options unless players go to Europe, and we already know the Mexican market is inflated. You know, we already see that the Herrera was sold for what ten million dollars. Is he worth ten million dollars when he left Mexico? I don't think so. I don't think he was worth that kind of money. I mean, it's great that they paid it, but. I mean, you know, six million, five, six, six and a half. I think it would have been more a more fair price. I don't know 
with $10 million. It's one of the biggest gripes that Porto fans have with Herrera is the fact that the team paid so much money for him when they don't think he was worth that kind of money. I think his performances last year, the entire year last year, warranted that kind of money. But, again, I mean, going back to what Osorio said, I don't, I don't, I mean, it seems kind of nonsensical to get it. It's almost like, why would you want to get into that? I mean, I understand he's giving his opinion, but don't make enemies at, you don't need to be making enemies. And, and people will take that as some sort of slight. No. I, I don't understand what he was trying to do with those comments. I really I, don't. I, I, under, I understand the context, meaning, you know, because of, you know, the couple, of the, you know, the comments that were being made against him from Bucetich and, 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 and Boy and stuff. But my, my point is a lot of people drink the Kool-Aid and, 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 and start believing that, oh, Jesus, these, these Mexican coaches, they have to start going to Europe. They, start, they have to start going to, to, you know, abroad so they can start learning. You know, there's there's a, there's something that Hugo Sanchez said, you know, a long time ago when when he went to uh, when he went to Spain. The very first, you know, when he got off the plane in, in, in Madrid, and he was given, you know, and they were asking him uh, the questions, you know, about hey, what, how does it feel, you know, to be coming over here? He basically was giving the cliched answers like, hey, I'm, you know, I, you know, I, I, I hope he, I, I, I hope that I can come here and learn and stuff like that. And then a Mexican uh, or a Spanish uh, newspaper. Our newsman basically pulled him to the side and says, "Google, you didn't come here to learn. You came here to produce." And mm-hmm. that always and that always stuck with Google. And, and and he said it many you know he said it many times on air about that incident. But the thing is, you know, if if, if a Bucetich or, or a La Puente or a La Volpe or you know got, you know coaches that basically started in Mexico, any Mexican coach. I mean, I know those guys aren't you know like La Volpe is a Mexican, but if if, if coaches like Bucetich, if they go to Europe, they're not going to go there to learn. They're going to go out there to produce, you know. So it's no, like, you're right. I I think well, yeah. Osorio was trying to, you know, he's 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 a very humble guy. So when he says he came here to learn, it's sort of a double entendre in the sense that he's saying, and I'm sorry, I cut you off real quick, but he's sort of saying, yes, I'm here obviously to produce, but I'm also here to learn, and and I'm open to. And when they say learn, it's like I'm open to suggestions. I'm not I'm not just going to come here and impose myself. I think. I think that's where that comes from a little bit. But, but go on, I'm sorry. You, you know what? Go going into the whole learning, how much can we say Aguirre was better as national team coach in 02 compared to 2010? Because I prefer old Aguirre. Well, it's funny, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. Funny you say that. Because this is Aguirre, a Mexican coach who was abroad for 10 years. And when he came back, he didn't even know his own league. Who did, He had to that's use... He had to use Carrillo as, as basically as a go-between, and like you know, you know, Carrillo was trying to have Guillermo Castro back onto the onto the uh, onto the uh, the squad. He also tried to convince to have uh, um, what, what's his name. Um, he wanted Ochoa to be the starting goalkeeper. So I mean, even even in ten years, ten years that he was away, he didn't even know the, the league. So that in a way, you know, if you don't know the league, even for a Mexican coach. That's that's one strike against you. Then they put then they put uh, Conejo in and take out Guardado, so they messed up bad, just like they did in O two. <laughs> well, I, I feel that's 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 a little revisionist because I think that Guardado wasn't playing that well, and he lost his spot to Efrain Juarez, who was that was probably his best moment with the national team. Uh, and and, Ochi, no. and let's be fair, I think I think it was the World Cup, maybe not the World Cup itself, but the lead up to the World Cup. There was enough there where you could say. You know, it's not a bad decision. 
But then Guardado comes in when he played as a sub, and he was excellent. So, I mean, it, I guess in hindsight we can say, hey, you know, he should have played this guy. I think, I think, I'm, I think I'm one of the few people that thinks that having Conejo start was not a bad idea. I'm just going to leave it at that so we don't get sidetracked. And didn't uh, Memochua, he, he had several uh, brain farts uh, in the lead-up to the World Cup to the point where, like, hey, can I trust this guy or not? North Korea, the game against North Korea at uh, uh, Territorio Morelos, Santos, whatever, Territorio Santos, the guy, long-range shot, yeah. Yeah, he got shaky there. I'm going to eat crow on this because <laughs> I, critic, I criticized La Volpe when he did it. I remember there was, during the 2006 uh, uh qualifying campaign, he made a comment that at the time I didn't agree with was that no matter what, Osvaldo is going to be my keeper. <clears throat> and, oh. I, and, I, and, I, and I criticized that. It's like, hey, it was like, why the hell? I mean, don't you want competition? Yes, I remember it, you criticized it, it, level. It, 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 no, but in hindsight, <laughs> in, hindsight, in hindsight, I think that was a smart move to do because, okay, you know that was going to be your keeper. Now, I mean... Like after that, it's like they the, the press makes it a damn soap opera as to who's going to be the keeper, mm-hmm. you know, and they and they criticize one little move or you know or, or something. And That's I'm why like, La Volpe is a genius. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hey, but all right, all right, all right. The press is always going to criticize, like no matter you know whether you breathe or you don't breathe. They're like, hey, why did he die? What the hell's wrong with him? Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, what I'm saying, no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, the press didn't, the press didn't really criticize, you know, level before that. But you know, I I remember, you know, I did, and in hindsight, I think it was a smart thing to do. That you know, hey, that's gonna be your keeper. That's gonna be your, you know, as Aguilar said, El va a ser mi gallo. I mean, he's gonna be my my. Uh, and now where's level? But he's like begging to get back into the game. He's blaming uh, Vergara for not letting him get the chance, and and. Uh, and criticizing, well, not criticizing, but saying Osorio isn't really the solution. He's just fiending to get back into the national team. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Like, pretty much every coach in Liga MX has been like, well, I don't think he's the right choice. They wanted a coach from the league. It's like, who? Who was who? Who in the league was 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 actually worthy of being the national team coach? There's like three guys. Apparently, everyone yeah, thinks Lavolpe is the guy. No, but 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 I'm saying, okay, Graham, okay. definitely. But he's not. But Osorio is not. Is not. Also, I mean, you know, people. I mean, I, I was reading, you know, that they're making him out to be some sort of like intellect. Like, hey, what, what? What? He graduated with a, with a PE degree, physical education degree. Come on, don't make him out to be some intellect. It's not that he's an intellect. Well, well, he, I mean, he comes. I have, across, a, I have a notepad too. I can take a picture of it. You know, send it to you guys. I think he's he, he's he he's little speaking. Dumb. You know, you know, I, I I've listened to some of his press conference. He speaks. Uh, he's very humble. He's very eloquent. But I think, I think what matters is uh, some of it is his credentials. He's got a UEFA A license, which I think it's no joke. I mean, when you got guys like Ugo, yeah, who's been all these. Hey, hey, hey. When was hey, the last time? Like, when... You know, he goes gets uh, his license in Honduras, and even even the. There are, there, are, there are a couple Mexicans that have that license. Mario Trejo, Mario Trejo has it, I think. Um, but he did, here's the thing: I mean, like Ambrice. people talk about a Mexican oh, coach. Let him finish. But look, what, what I was gonna say is, uh, I mean, the UFA license is, is it's a very intense uh, 
process, much more than even the the, the Mexican uh, director technical course, which is which is pretty much anybody can take. By the way, if you guys have any free time, I can live in Mexico City for a year, and you know I think that, I think that matters. Dude, I lost I'll, my train of thought now with your message. Yeah, fight no, for your right. Honestly, <laughs> no, honestly <laughs> you know what? Look, I, I, I'm not knocking the UEFA license just like I'm not knocking the uh, the FMF license. But uh, he just, I don't hey. think, I, I don't think people, the, the the reaction that people are having, and even people that normally are calm, like you know, people like. You know, like Saga and people like you know, even other reporters that tend to be more mellow, speaking out about this. I I I think that's just a natural reaction because, I mean, who is this guy? Is this is this the best gig he's got? Is this the exactly. most money he's making? Yeah, I mean, this is this is his yeah, biggest yeah. job. So he doesn't need to come in here all like prepotente and thinking he's you know I'm from Europe. I came from Europe. I studied in Europe and I'm yeah, and, the, and, and you know if it was me though, if it was me, I would. <laughs> but it, uh, I mean, like, uh, just walking like he owned the place, you know. I mean, when was the last time Kevin Keegan was relevant? I mean, uh, two thousand what two thousand nine two thousand whenever last time he coached. Uh, no, never. You have to think about it. It's been a yeah. while. Hey guys, yeah. How many Mexican coaches have choked at the World Cup? That's what I want to know. That to me, that's what All matters. And that's that's exactly the point. I mean, people talk about that, that the job should have went to a Mexican coach. We just had we handed Chepo literally an entire cycle. A Mexican coach, a well prepared Mexican coach, a cycle that crashed and burned and took out like three other Mexican coaches with it. <laughs> yes. And okay, then you get now well uh-huh. here's the interesting part, because when Osorio was questioned about this, he said we had a similar thing in Colombia. We had a very, and it's true. Colombia had a similar thing. They went through any promising coach that was a, a Colombian national, uh, put him in charge, and then they crashed and burned. Bolillo Gomez was thrown out because he supposedly wait, 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 a woman. You guys, you guys are talking about choking, though. And 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 I just before before you finish, I don't think Mejia Barón really choked. They went all the way to penalties. I don't think uh, La Puente choked. I mean. Uh, but but I right. Mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, it's. I don't think it's choking per se. I think I mean, choke, circumstances. Choke, they, you know? they messed up big time. Aguirre, Aguirre choked. We can but agree on that. I'll say against the U.S., but I wouldn't say. Yeah, he definitely did. No, I agree. I agree. Mejia Barón choked. Mejia Barón choked. There's no way you got. Yeah, you can always make an argument for that. Yeah. I think Mejia Barón did choke. La Puente, you could say he didn't. It was a. It was this. You know, Lara's brain farts or whatever, but. At the end of the day, they didn't well, deliver, right? Totally. Mira, no malo, we didn't nationalize him. He's good. You know, we give him the citizenship. Well, Ronnie, one time in the Twitter, he brought up that the, the Mexican press, they hate the Mexican player, and they hate the Mexican player that, that uh, later on gets a, a position that's, you know, much more respected than the one they have, which is uh, either a TV commentator or, or, or director technical, right? Because those are kind of... Those are kind of prestigious yeah, that's, jobs. And- that's the progression for the players. There's really nowhere else for them to go. I, I just want to say that uh, Osorio, I think we there is a parallel to Colombia here that we, we should look at because just quickly, Colombia went through the same thing, and it wasn't until they turned to Peckerman that they found sort of an outside perspective that was able to sort of maximize. I, I think it's also circumstantial because Colombia sort of had this wave of talent that was coming up uh, hey, dude, in 2011. Maximize crap, man. 
man. He, I, I agree. I don't think, but 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 you remember that in, in Colombia after not going to the World Cup since '98, this is a guy that took him to the quarterfinals. And we can talk about the the matchups that they had. And, and yes, they I mean, players if, coming if, through. If Colum- yeah, I mean, it, it was it's sort of circumstantial, you know. But you could say the same about Mexico. Mexico has a good group of players right now that is coming up, and and maybe these players need an outside perspective that could guide them towards something that we haven't done before or whatever it is the press is sort of clamoring for. And I will say this very quickly, and I'll finish what I'm saying. I don't think that Sage is – I think he's one of the more level-headed dudes on the media, but watching him lose his mind the other day again with with, uh, with Paco Gabriel de Anda, he, he just – he he wants to hold on to the idea that the teams that he was a part of were the best teams. And I mean, he's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, he's, right. he's wrong about that, but, but, right. but, but I feel like player wise, player wise, there are a couple of players from those, from that era that I would totally take over for this team now. But I think that overall, there's a bit more talent right now than there was back then. Overall. Hey, let me finish my point about the players. So, so the, the, where I was mentioning the players, their background is they, they come from low uh, from the very poor backgrounds. They have a lack of education, right? And then suddenly they're thrust into the position which which requires uh you know the ability to to think outside the box and kind of and you know uh, in Mexican football, if you notice, if you talk to anybody, they're like, hey, dude, uh, football is igual like in China. I'm sure you guys heard that expression from the players, from coaches. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. they the have a tendency, round, you know, yeah. Yeah, so they have a tendency to think inside the box. So I think if they're willing to, you know, hey, why, why don't I spend a year in, in, you know, getting the OFIA? Why don't I, you know, travel to, you know, take a shot at Brazil at different leagues, see how they do things? Uh, you know, I don't think that would hurt. I don't think that hurt uh, your background as a coach. Well, I mean, I mean, some of you guys already know me. I mean, my, uh, I have nothing against traveling and, and working abroad. I mean, obviously, my family's been doing it for 20-plus years now. So, I mean, and, you know, I've been fortunate to, to, to go visit them many times and stuff like this. So, I mean, I, I mean, I understand the value of, uh, of traveling. I understand the value of learning different cultures. I understand all that. But at the end of the day, when, when we're talking about, you know, the game that's so global now, you don't really have to – you don't really have to go – uh, you know, you don't have to go sell yourself short in some, you know, hellhole or 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 some, you know, team that doesn't aspire for anything just for the sake of, well, I went I went abroad. I mean, those 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 coaches that, like I said before, that basically are coming from you know countries that historically have better football programs, soccer programs, going to Mexico, they came to Mexico for one reason and one reason only, money. So don't knock. So don't you know, like you know, don't don't knock the Mexican coaches and the Mexican players who want to stay in Mexico, because they can live comfortable. I mean, you know, I think you know, Joel, Joel, Joel and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. Uh, what Spain won the World Cup with twenty three twenty out of the twenty three players playing domestically. Uh, uh, Italy won with all twenty three players playing in the Italian league. Uh, the vast majority of the Germans playing in Germany. So, like, you know, when they always when they bring up those cases, oh, you know, of like, you know, oh, having to go abroad. 
is it really that much of a stretch for an Englishman to go play in, in Spain or an Italian to go play in Germany? Now? Well, there's well, many for, factors. For the English, maybe. You know, I think those, those leagues have different goals. Like the, the Bundesliga, it's mostly each club is community-owned. So they have lower ticket prices. They they focus on youth a lot more. They they don't have caps on foreigners. Last I checked, but I no. think it's different. Mm -hmm. di there's different objectives of the league. Like no, uh, you know, what, what I'm saying. No, what I'm saying. What I'm saying is no, what I'm trying to point out is that you know because of the European community and stuff like that, it's not yeah. a it's it's not a culture shock. I mean, sure the language and stuff like that, but I said it's not it's not that much of a culture shock anymore for an Englishman. You know, you're going from a Bayern Munich and going to a Chelsea, or going from a Barcelona to a Chelsea. Englishmen don't travel well, dude. Well, true. I mean, but they're English. I mean, yeah, but you know, you you get well, my point. You, you know, you get my point. Like, you know, you know, does does a, does a, does a Fabregas really have to leave Barcelona to go to Arsenal? To he did. Learn? He didn't fit in. I mean, he, he came could, back he better when he came he, back. Eh, that's. Uh, what I'm saying is like you know Nino Torres, you know he went, you know, what he went to Atletico, then he went to uh, what is it, Liverpool, and then he went to what Chelsea, then he's back at Atletico. Yeah. You know. Hey, and so uh, retirement, so why not? But I think you know, as a coach, like for example, uh, was the Spanish league uh, at least uh, did, did Pep Guardiola grow as a coach because he had these games against uh, Mourinho every year? You know, he had twice as many when they're in the same league. Uh, I think as a coach, you you want to match your wits against the best, and the the best the best directors technicals are definitely in Europe. There's no question. The best players are I'm gonna, there. And I, I'm going to read something out to you from a uh, from a uh, from a book uh, from uh, Angel Capa, the Argentine coach, right? It's it's from his book El Fútbol Donde Está, and he's basically is uh, he's in a conversation with Pep Guardiola. This book was written in 2004, 2005. Hey, don't forget your monocle, okay? Okay, he basically said, you know, this is this is Angel Capa. He says, mira, estando en México tuve una disputa con algunos periodistas porque hablaban de la necesidad de trabajar más físicamente con pesas y cosas ahí al jugador mexicano para asemblar a un alemán al que ponían de ejemplo. El jugador mexicano es muy resistente por naturaleza y juega 3,000 metros de altura con 3 grados bajo cero y al otro domingo, a nivel del mar, al mediodía con 40 grados. La pregunta mía era, ¿por qué tratar de modificarlos físicamente? Si un alemán lo haces jugar en el DF con 50, 40 grados, al mediodía seguramente rendirá mucho menos físicamente. Sí me decían, pero si un jugador mexicano tiene que chocar con un alemán, perder, perderá seguro. Entonces yo les preguntaba, ¿por qué, tiene que, ¿por qué tenían que chocar con un alemán? Pepo Arriola, pues claro, no hay necesidad de chocar, Ángel. Y les ponía el ejemplo de Arellano, que no, se te, eh, no sé si te acordarás. Pepo Arriola, en el último mundial se refiere al de Francia. Sí, 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 me acuerdo de un delgado hábil. Eso es, eso es que entraba en los segundos tiempos y les gambeteaba a todos. Bueno, ¿para qué quería chocar a Arellano? Al contrario, tenía que evitar el choque. Lo que pasa es que hay un concepto del fútbol físico y el fútbol directo. Y si no hay, y si no hay engaño, hay choque. The, the the point is that even you know, Pep Guardiola, believe it or not, is is a friend of Mexican football. He he thinks really you know really highly of it, and so does Angel Capa. So you know even then it's like why do we need to, why do we why don't we do what we're 
what we're able to do and what we're good to do. You know, like you know the Mexicans. You you know what, Rodney? I think, yeah. I think it's been instilled in us because it's like we we're never, we hear it, this from the media and and they they fill our heads with this need and and uh, we we could use a good example of of uh, Menotti came in. He only coached for one year the national team, but you still hear today. You could still Google it, where uh, Ibarra, which was the president, hello, yeah. the FMF president, <laughs> he was the Atlas president, and uh, he said how Menotti revolutionized Mexican soccer. He was only there for one year. Dude. He didn't really do anything, but but that's still the. It's still like people will still believe that, and you a lot are, of the work. A lot of the work. That from the one team they went on to do really good, it was under Mejia Baron, just from '93 going on it's, up it's to like. Fun, funny you say that because Hermosillo actually uh, made a comment during the transmission okay. uh, Argentina Mexico game. He made a comment with his personal experiences that you know, hey, Menotti taught me how to how to line, you know align myself to do this and how to play this and stuff like that. So I mean, I don't deny that Menotti did did teach the players a lot. But I also don't drink the Kool-Aid to saying that he revolutionized Mexican football. And I'll give you a prime example. I'll give you a prime example. Hugo Sanchez uh, made a comment. I remember a long time ago he made a comment that you know one of the criticisms towards him was that when he would come back, when he would come back, you know they would tell him you know hey take it down a notch. You need to play to their level, and he would say why don't they come to my level? You know, so. There was other people before Menotti that were trying to improve the game, so I, I, I just, I just think that the whole hey he revolutionized Mexican soccer. I think that's more, I think that's more TV Azteca's talking points because they brought him in. Yeah, you same, know? same it, with Bielsa. They, we hear a lot of good about Bielsa, but that Atlas team he left, they still haven't won anything. Yeah, no, Bielsa he's no, overrated no, trash no, man. No, his mic, His mic is so bad. <laughs> yeah. What about Sven Goran, man? Sven Goran revolutionized Mexican soccer. What's that? Sven Goran Eriksson. Uh -huh. That guy revolutionized some, some. In the table, in the table aspect. Was this comment made to Hugo uh, after he was in uh, in Spain for a few years, or before he left? Repeat that again. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. That that quote to Hugo was it said to him after he had been in Spain a few years or before he left? Well, obviously he said this when he was a player, but I I, I heard him say this after the Abroad. fact when when he was you know already retired. You know I, I can understand why people say oh well Europe is the best place to play soccer all Mexicans should go over there emigrate to show no, really what you got. You go, Rafa Rafa, Mar Rafa Marquez definitely advocated for it. You know. Uh, Hugo Sanchez himself said it, you know, and I can see why because they see Hugo Sanchez winning and winning trophies in in Real Madrid, and you know, of course you're gonna grow up idolizing that. Now, but here, it's a good, it's a good thing that you bring that up, Fer, because it's one thing it's one thing to go to Barcelona, it's one thing to go to Real Madrid, you know, and and I'm all for that, you know, I I think that if a Mexican's gonna leave. They should go to a big club, you know. Uh, I mean, just but, but I, I I don't think I don't I don't think that we should be sending players to. I mean, no offense, but Porto. Although I know that they won the World uh, Champions League, you know, a couple of years back with uh with the the great one. 
but I mean, just Porto and it's like, come on, man, just just come back to Mexico. Porto, okay. Porto's <laughs> okay, dude. They they, uh, they got a good connection with uh, Jorge Mendes. So that uh -huh. guy, he has a history of transferring players for big money. So mm -hmm. I, I mean, I agree with you with, with your the the spirit of what you're saying, which is basically, if you're gonna leave, you know, you should go well paid. You know, so that team has a has something vested in you to see you successful. <clears throat> like, uh, you know, there's some big players they left for, they left for very cheap, and they ended up coming back, and they looked a lot worse, or they went to bad situations like uh, Juarez, Barrera. Uh, you know, Ulises Davila is he still is he still alive? Does anybody know? <laughs> he's, he's playing in Portugal. Welfare. I think players players like that that they should you know maybe they really should assess because Chelsea doesn't have a history of promoting uh, youth players and then they're they're just signing they're just casting a wide net to see which one turns out uh, good enough for their first team. Uh -huh. You know, you know what? Like like the guys that have gone to Netherlands, they've been more success. They've had better careers. Yeah. Uh, so and I I think the Porto guys they're gonna do all right too. You, you know That's what? I, I think Ronnie had mentioned this. He had said it about how if the coach requests you, then that's that's a good bet, and that that's what happened with uh with Guardado in PSV. The coach really wanted him to play there. Same with same with Chicharo in Leverkusen. The coach really wanted him to be in the team, and you could see how he had like a bad a bad league game, but then he he still starts at the Champions League, which was a really good game. <laughs> You know, any, anywhere else, they would have probably benched them after that one bad game. Like Manchester with, what's his name? That guy. Bengal. Yeah. You're talking about that? I think going to Europe. I think the whole going to Europe as a player is a little bit for one's personal career. They get to improve themselves by playing with the best. They get to meet the best. They get to shake Ronaldo's hand or or some EPL guy's hand and trade jersey, you know, keep that, take it home, put it on their wall and stuff. You're, you're thinking like a sentry, dude. <laughs> you know, you're poisoning the well here, man. Is there other sentries in Europe? <laughs> you know, I think the Mexican national team, the way it's going to be better, like, progress forward is if the league improves. And if the youth players, they keep, uh, they stay hungry to break into the first team and so... I mean, I agree with you guys. Not all of them should leave, but the ones that leave, they better, you know, there should be a big money behind them that's pushing them forward and, like, uh, Jolie said, the coach wants them. Hey, I want to expand on a question that somebody, uh, well, I think it was Ronnie uh, said earlier about how the Mexico's not considered, like, the world superpower in the under-17 class. I want to know you guys' thoughts on... Why is why has Mexico gotten to that level? Partidos moleros. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. You know, the Mexican media they they vilify and they demonize money. My point, my my, my I guess the way I look at it is, since I can remember, you know, you know, Mexican teams used to do the off season. In places like you know Cuernavaca, they used to do it in in in, in uh, de la Sal. They used to do it in, in obviously the resort towns. When they started doing them in the United States, you know the criticism was in shopping, but they were getting paid. They were making a lot of money. They were making a lot of money. You're you're obviously seeing the the you're obviously seeing 
you know, the, the, the money being used to for the U17, the U20, the U15, you know, tournaments. So, I mean, what's the problem? I mean, that's that's why you're seeing a lot of the success from the youth is because the, the money that that Mexico has been generating and investing in, in the infrastructure. That's why I will pay $150 per ticket every time they come play in Phoenix. Yeah. Well, I think I think just adding to that overall comparison, it's like, it's like Mexican World Mission, you know, one dollar for out of my hundred fifty dollars will reach some kid that's trying to play soccer. <laughs> nah, no, but I just want to add to that. Um, I think Mexico at the youth level, they're more organized and they play more than than the actually, other national teams. So I would say on average, the Mexico's youth teams will play will play together. You know, uh, more campos de concentración, uh, más giras, so they, so they come more prepared. So I think that that's been one of the things, not really. It, it it you know the the money and the infrastructure is one thing, and honestly, I don't think that's the 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 only thing because I mean, truth be told, the U.S. actually is a lot more organized and has a lot more money when it comes to youth. I mean. That, that, I think their talent's what's, so low, though. It's just like a master. Exactly. They don't have that. You know, and that's don't have my point. Is, and, that, and that's what the point that I was about to reach is that, you know, organization, one, you know, is just a little... It, 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 it has helped, our, you know, Mexico develop, like I said, its infrastructure. But also the the exposure that the kids are getting to different styles of uh, uh, of playing, I think that's what's really benefited, you know, uh, the, the, the youth squads. From the 15 all the way to the seven, you know, to the 20s. So well that they, you know, we got a women's league now, right? <laughs> Even though it's like what, four <laughs> Come on, it's women's football. Come on. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, women's rights in in Mexico, and we don't want to deviate into all this. And this is Pern's topic too, but women's <laughs> rights in Mexico hasn't, uh, you know, isn't the same as in the United States. That's why the United States is so dominant in the women's soccer but that's well they're, they're dominant in, 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 in women's soccer because of title uh, title nine I mean college I mean the collegiate the soccer I mean that's that's why they're fucking really good but I honestly we don't talk about women's soccer here <laughs> so all right I'll leave you with one uh, last thought on uh, on Osorio and you know the need to go to you know to, to Europe and stuff like that I'll leave you with a quote from uh, Pirata Fuentes uh, the great Veracruz player, when he went to uh, to Europe, uh, he tried out for a couple teams, one of them being Barcelona. When he came back, they asked him why he didn't stay, and he says, eh, la So meaning that the uh, the produce was going to you know be you know was going to go to waste over there. So he came back. <laughs> I always thought I always thought that was funny. Right, oh wait, let me get that. I got a question for you guys. Yeah. Maybe in the next intro or the next the next podcast, uh, uh, you guys can explain what a cachirul is. There you go. All right, we need we'll to bring the rucos for that. Tune in next time. Uh, all right, but yeah, but also next podcast, we really do need to work on our intro. I want that something like that prestige worldwide. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> all right, guys, good show.
Yeah, thanks for coming on. It was for those fun. listening, follow us on uh, Twitter at Los Cachirules. Shout, shout and out to Big Soccer, Soccer Chronicle. Yeah, Big Soccer Dudes. See you guys later. Yeah. Three viewers we have on here. Visit <laughs> soccerchronicle.com. Section 4, man. Don't disrespect. What? <laughs> it was 4 of them. Don't disrespect, man. Yeah, 4. <laughs> 4, 3. No, nah, it's 3. <laughs> you just scared one away. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, later. Good All right. stuff. Later, guys. Late.